It is so great to be here and so great to, uh, to be here together as one church in three different locations today. We, uh, this morning, we are having our first Sunday morning preview service in Londonderry. And so welcome to everybody who's there. So excited about everything that God's doing. We're in Dover, we're in Plymouth, and we are in Londonderry. And, um, you know, it's amazing how God, what God is doing, how he's using us, and what he's doing in different people's lives. And in September, we'll be officially uh, launching there, moving to Sunday mornings every week. Um, we're doing different things to prepare for that and moving forward for that. And it's going to be it's going to be great. For those of you who don't know much about Londonderry, Londonderry is bigger than Portsmouth. So it is, you, you know, maybe you've, if you've never heard of it outside of Londonderry, um, it's, a, it's a great place. It's a great, great little city. And uh, a, a few months ago, earlier in the year, we had an event there, and we posted about it on Facebook, and, and we're inviting people through it. And I've never, I've never seen this happen to any of our posts on our church before, but we got one of those angry faces on Facebook, which was surprising. I've never seen that before. You know, it was prayer night, and then someone was mad about it. So I wanted to find out who it was because, again, I've never seen that happen before, so I was curious, you know, what's this person's story? What's their background? Maybe there's someone who's an atheist and don't believe that God exists, and so they're mad at us for telling people about him. Maybe there's someone who was burned in church before, because that's happened. That's happened to a lot of different people. You were part of a church, and they, they didn't model Jesus. They didn't live like Jesus. They didn't treat you like Jesus would have. And so they just, they just hate church, and they hate Christians because of a previous experience. So I went. I, I found the, the angry photo. is a name next to it. I clicked a, a couple clicks later, and I realized the person who was mad about our prayer night was a pastor. And they weren't the pastor of the Church of Satan. They were pastor of another Christian church. And turns out he didn't like the idea of us starting uh, a new location in, in that area. It's hard to imagine that. Pastors that aren't excited about um, about new churches that aren't excited about new people coming to faith in Jesus, aren't excited about God working in, in New Hampshire and in our area. But, it, but it, it does happen. And, you know, we, as Restoration Church, we want to keep a, like a kingdom focus. It's not just us. We're not the only church in the world that God's moving in. And there are amazing, amazing churches here in New Hampshire there are amazing churches in every one of our communities where we are. But God has given us a mission to, to reach people that they're not reaching, to reach people that, uh, that those other churches will never reach because, uh, because of the, just the assignment and the giftings and the call that God has for us as a restoration church. And, you know, we would think that that's hard to believe, but even inside of Restoration Church, We've had some interesting conversations um, over, you know, over the last few months, over the last couple of years, and every once in a while, um, someone who's been part of our church just um, has a hard time with something, and someone said something to me um, uh, sometime within the last year, and they, in a conversation with me, they said, 
we focus too much on people who don't know Jesus. And that was, that was, that was what they communicated me, with me before they left our church. We have to remember why we exist as a church. We have to remember why Jesus changed our life. And we have to remember what he's called us to do now that we've been forgiven, that we've been saved. And, and, and one way that the Bible explains it is that we've been bought with a price. That Jesus bought us by his work on the cross. And we, we can't forget that. And as today, as we look at starting a new location in Londonderry, as we pray about the opportunity to start locations in other forgotten places in New Hampshire, not that Londonderry is forgotten, but, but as we look at launching locations in other areas, we have to remember, why are we doing this? We, you know, we have to look and, what, and, and just ask, why are we so focused as a church why are we so focused as individuals uh, on, on bringing the good news of Jesus to those who've never had the opportunity to hear it and even to those who've never at this point made this, the decision to receive it? Why do we do that? Why in every prayer, in every service, do we talk about just one more? That, yet, you know, how many people have we brought to, to know Jesus? I mean, in our church's history, thousands upon thousands. But how many more do we want? And we don't ever want to get to a place where we say, that's good. We're good. We're comfortable as a church. We have every ministry. We have every pastor. We have everything we like and everything we need. And we just settle there. Our prayer is always, God, give us more people to share about you. Help us to disciple more people in a life following you. This has to be our constant focus and if it's not, if we're, if we're not about just one more, then we have gone completely off track of what Jesus has called us to do, what he's designed us to do, and what he wants us to do. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 14. And if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. Uh, no matter where you are, if you go to the Welcome Center, ask them for a Bible. They'll give you one for free. And it's our privilege, the people of the church, buy these Bibles to give to you. And uh, we'd love for you to own a physical copy of the Bible. You can also download it on your smartphone and follow along with us there every single week. In the passage we're about to read, um, Jesus is at a party, he's at a big banquet, and, um, and he's been doing some teaching at the banquet. Uh, you know, everybody's fighting over the important seats, and so Jesus is kind of teaching and, and, and mentoring his his disciples through this process. And then someone says out loud, man, how great it's going to be to be at a banquet in the kingdom of God. And he's thinking future. You know, when we get to heaven, you just imagine like this, we're at this huge, amazing banquet, this huge, amazing feast. But imagine the parties God is going to throw. And when this guy says this, Jesus goes into at teaching this parable. A parable is a, a story, a short story a fictional story that has a spiritual, heavenly meaning. And so Jesus goes into this story. And I want to read it for you. It's in Luke chapter 14. And we'll start reading at verse number 15. Uh, so hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story. 
A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious, and he said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So after the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and earn anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. Look up at me. In that parable, all right, I want to teach about that. Maybe you've never read the Bible before. Maybe you've never understood the Bible before. And when Jesus tells a story like this, if you read it at first, just kind of at surface level, maybe you're going to miss what Jesus is trying to teach us through this. If you're someone who follows Jesus and believes in Jesus, it is something in here that he's trying to tell us and something important that he wants us to know and wants us to do. If you're in here and you've never believed in Jesus and you've never followed Jesus, there's something in this story that he's telling you about what God thinks about you and his value on you. And for all of us, it's showing us and helping us understand this big, huge, magnificent, powerful God. It's helping us understand him in a deeper way, helping us to see his heart. And in this part that we just read, we see the heart of God toward people. And not just his people, not just those who are Christians, but the heart of God toward all people. Of every, uh, on every nation, of every race, of every uh, of, uh, ability, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much education you have, no matter how much exterior looks you have, it shows God's heart toward all people. And in this passage, we see that God invites everyone. And the banquet that God's inviting to us to is eternity with him. He's inviting us to heaven, inviting us into relationship with him, inviting us to know him and, and enjoy him and be with him. And who is God inviting? He invites everyone. No matter what sins you're struggling with, no matter what uh, you have in your past, no matter, no, no matter what is in your life, God invites everyone to his banquet. He invites everyone into relationship with him. The second thing we see here is that God pays for everyone. So they weren't charging uh, a, a ticket price at the door. For people to come to this. The master of this house, which is symbolic of God, he is putting on a banquet for everyone. And he is taking the full cost. I'm paying for everyone to be able to come to this. And, and he's, you know, when, when people decline at first, he's not like, oh good, this is going to save me some money. This is not like your wedding when you invited too many people to the reception and every time people start uh, declining, you're like, oh thank goodness. This is not like that. He's paid everything in, in full 
and he wants every seat full. There is no cost to this banquet. And right off the bat, for us to not miss the significance and understanding that no, that God has paid for everything you need in your life through Jesus. That's why we celebrate the cross. That's why we talk about Jesus dying on the cross. Because that paid the price for everyone to be able to come in to this banquet. So it's not a matter of whether or not you can afford or, you know, it's not a, a thousand dollar plate dinner to go eat with the president. This has been paid for. And anybody who wants to come into this banquet, uh, he's going to cover their cost. And he's done that through Jesus. And then we see Last thing about God's heart toward us, God's heart toward you, is that he supplies everything. If you get invited over to someone's house and they invite you over for dinner, there are some of you that will not show up empty-handed no matter how much you're told to. And so they're like, what would you like me to bring? And they're like, oh, you don't have to bring everything. And they're like, I'll bring a dessert. They're like, no, I'll have a dessert for you. All right, I'll bring a salad. No, we'll have salad. All right, I'll bring a, a, a three liter of, of Jolly Treat soda. No, we're going to have that too. And you're just like, well, I'm going to bring something. And so you, still, you show up with like a bag of cat food, like I heard you had a cat. you know? And because and, you will not, under any circumstance, show up without anything, which is a great thing. But some of you have that heart toward God as well. And when God's inviting you to know him and God's inviting you to, to receive forgiveness, you think, well, I've got to do something to earn this. And this is where there is some traditional um, uh, aspects of church where, where people like it because it requires you to do something in order to receive forgiveness from God. But that's not what the Bible says. If you want forgiveness, you want eternal life, you want heaven, all you have to do is enter the banquet, to show up, is to give your, to trust Jesus that he's paid the price and, and to not try to do a whole bunch of good things to prove that you belong at the party, but to trust that Jesus has paid it all and that you, that you belong, you believe that. This is God's heart toward us. This is God's heart toward every community there we're in. This is God's heart toward every person in the world. That everyone would know him. He sent Jesus for all humankind. And he supplies everything we need in this life and the next if we will trust him and if we will follow him. So we see God's heart toward people. And then we see the heart of people toward God. And what, we, what happens at the very beginning of this parable we begin to see is that people are refusing this invitation. Hey, there's a big, huge free banquet. Everything's, everyone's invited. Everything's supplied. Everything's paid for. And people are beginning to make excuses. And there's, there's three excuses that were listed in this. And I thought, looking at them, they could be similar to maybe excuses that we make when we're not living in what God has for us. People refuse the banquet because of recreation. And the guy says, hey, I just bought this land. I want to go check it out. I want to go hike the property and see what's there. And... We kind of look at the same thing, like, you know, I just can't get involved in church. It's really important that I, have a, that I have a lot of fun. I've got all these hobbies, and, you know, I've invested so much money in these hobbies, it would be a waste of money, and I'd be a poor steward if I didn't participate in this. So we can't enter in what God has for us because of the concern we have for our own life and just how much fun we, we just don't want to give up. Sometimes people are like that. 
They're presented with Jesus. They have a genuine interest in following Jesus, but they look at their life and they, and they begin to see, well, if I follow him, I probably have to give up these things in my life. And I don't want to do that because I really like it. I really like these things. So they walk, they walk away. We see the hearts of people toward God by refusing to banquet. And this second excuse that was listed is the issue of work. Hey, I can't come because I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to train them and I've got to work them out. And, and you know, I, can't, I just can't come. It's not a good time for me. You know, these things got to make money for me. It's very important. This is my livelihood. I can't come. I can't participate. I can't be a part of the banquet. I can't be a part of the kingdom of God because, man, I just got, work is just piling up. And obviously, I don't want to beat anybody up, but we're there, and we struggle with that. And we now live in a kind of a 24-7 economy, and long, long ago were the days when everything was closed on Sunday. Long ago were the days when there weren't any sports activities uh, on Sunday. I mean, it is a constant pressure and a, and a constant demand on your life. To give up the kingdom of God to work. And that's going to be something that you're going to have to wrestle with and you're going to have to decide in your own life. But for people who never made a decision to follow Jesus, that's a, that's a big thing. You know, um, Sunday is maybe a, a main income day for them. And how are they going to give up that to go to a banquet? How are they going to give up making money to go sit down and eat some food and have a good time. It just seems like, well, I, you know, I just have to keep generating for myself. And then the last one, the third excuse is, hey, I can't come to the banquet. I'm newly married. And no one's going to blame the guy for that, but it's the excuse of family. And, um, you know, at, at all across the United States, all right, so... People are going to be staring at me like, why the heck are you beating me up today? Um, but if one sp there's, there's one spouse that's the driver or church, one spouse that's a driver toward the things of God, and if they don't participate, no one else participates. And I was at a gas station recently, and someone who doesn't come to the church anymore, they're like, hey, Pastor Nate. And I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? And we were chit-chatting while I was filling my gas tank, and they, and then they expressed like, yeah, we really miss Restoration Church, uh, and, and I'm like, well, you, sh you should come, come back. Like, you know, we never told you to leave, so you can come back. And they're like, yeah, we just don't go anywhere now. And I'm like, well, you should. And they're like, well, you know, my spouse is always so tired on Sunday mornings. I'm like, well, come by yourself. And, well, and, and so there's this issue, like, well, if my family's not engaged, I'm not engaged. If my kids don't want to go, man, I'm not going to make them go. And, and family just becomes this excuse to keep us from experiencing all of the great things that God has for us. I tell you what, I'm never going to let my kids keep me from going to this expensive free banquet. Oh, you can eat buffet. Everything's paid for. Once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm getting a babysitter. You don't want to come? Stay home. I ain't missing this. And, and not that you should make your kids stay home from church. Certainly, that's not what we're teaching here. But, but I'm not going to let someone keep me from experiencing these opportunities that are so much better than, than anything else that is going on in our life throughout the week. 
one pastor commented this, and, and this is related to God's, to people's heart toward God. He said, God is more willing to save sinners than sinners are willing to be saved. So God is more willing to do things in your life than you're willing to allow him to. God is more willing to completely change your life and your family and just show himself real to you and deliver you and forgive you. He's more willing to do that in your life and he's more willing to do that for humanity than we are willing to allow him to move. And if you're here and you're willing to let God move in your life, he is going to. He is going to change you and work in your life. So we see God's heart toward people. We see people's hearts toward God. And may our hearts not be like that. But then we see the heart of the servant toward his master. For those of us who are, who are following Jesus, we're serving him, we're living for him, you know, not per- we're not perfect people, and I'm not a perfect person by, by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But we're, we're, just, we're just trying to live our life. You know, we're, we're at the banquet, we're a part of it, but we're not, we're, not the, uh, we're not the people being invited anymore. All right, we're the people doing the inviting. What we see here is the servant's heart toward his master, and what should be our heart is people who already know Jesus, there's people who are already uh, participating. We've already come to the banquet. We're already there. We're an insider now. We get to use the employee exits and stuff. You know, we're in the kitchen seeing things prepared. Our heart toward God. In verses 17, verses 21 and 23, we see the servant has been called by his master to invite people to this party. And as people of Restoration Church, and this is your home, as people who say, you know what, I believe in Jesus, I follow Jesus, I believe in God, I follow God, we must invite people to this banquet, to invite people to know about God, to invite people to, be, to have the, the price of their sin paid for by Jesus, to have their life changed by Jesus. In verse 23, there are a couple of things here that I want to focus in on. It said at, at first, so his master said, go, uh, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. And, and uh, he, there, there's something here that I want us to see, that is people who are following the, the master, people whose hearts are for the master, we go where the people are who need the invitation. So wherever God says for you to go, you go. If that's in the lunch room at your, uh, at, your, at your work, if that's joining a community organization, if he calls you to sell everything you have and move to a foreign land and to become a missionary and to share Jesus with people who don't even speak the same language as you, you do that. You're going to go wherever he calls you to go because that's your heart toward him. Hey, man, I thank you for Every opportunity you've ever afforded me, everything you've ever given to me, what can I do for you? Go out. Go out into the country lanes. Go out behind the hedges. Go find people to invite. Second thing in that, in, uh, in verse 23, says we must urge them to come. It's not like just kind of a plas- passing, um, oh, yeah, I got this church, you know, 
you know, check it out sometime, and you're like, before you ever tell them to check it out sometime, you're waiting to see how they respond. But it says we must urge them to come. In, in, same, in verse 23, go out behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come. Depending on what version of the Bible you're looking at, it could say you compel them to come. And the urge, obviously, means and compel means to do so with urgency. So it's not just casual, hey, come whenever you want. No, there's a, there, the party's going on right now, all right? If you, if you show up too late, the food's going to be cold, if, you know, and, 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 and really the party's not going to be going on forever. So this invitation that we have, there's a short window for you to accept this invitation. And we, with that urgency, we're inviting people and, and really telling them, listen, this made a difference in my life. This will make a difference in your life. And sharing the stories about our friends and, and urging them, you don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss this. You need to know Jesus. You need to experience him and, and live and, and follow him. The last thing about the servant toward his master, our heart toward him is when he tells them, hey, go out and invite people, and then they don't come. He says, all right, go out and invite more people. And, and some people come. And then he says to them again, um, he says to them a third time, hey, go out and invite more. And in this parable, the servant never complains. He never gets bored. And in verse number 22, after the second time of inviting people, the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. What the master say? Yeah, go out and get more. We want every seat in this banquet filled. We want a packed banquet. Go find people. Look behind the hedges. Look under the bushes. Go find people. Fill these seats. And for us, as Restoration Church, what does that show us? What does that speak to us? What I mean, just one more. Because we can get to the place where we're like, man, so many people came. We did another round of invitations and more people came. And what's the master's heart? Fill the banquet. Fill the banquet. Pack every seat. Fill the banquet. We, you know, why are we launching locations? Why are we um, why, why are we doing anything that we're doing? Our heart is to serve our Lord who's changed our life. And our heart is to invite other people to experience that. They would know him and follow him and have their lives changed by him. This morning as you look at your life, are you the inviter or are you the invited? If you're the inviter, you're someone who says, all right, yeah, I'm already here. I'm a part of this. I've, I've believed in the Lord for a long time. I've served him. I'm, you know, I'm following him. You're, so you're an inviter. There's a call in your life. You know, you're not trying to come and experience God and the goodness of God for the first time. You know it. So what do you do? You invite others to the banquet. Again, three verses in that small story. Go out, go quickly into the streets and alleys. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. 
just, I love the kind of the visual of that, that when people are so far gone and their lives have gotten to such a bad place, you're pulling them out of bushes to bring them into the kingdom. In a world where people are just stuck, people are miserable, they're just uncomfortable with their life, we have a banquet to invite them to. Any need they could ever imagine is at the banquet. Anything they could ever want, anything they could have ever wished for is at the banquet. If you're an inviter, you're the servant in this story, and God's called you to invite people to the banquet, that is what you do. If you're not the inviter, you're the invited. This morning, I invite you to give your heart and your life to Jesus. To just say, you know what? I, I'm just going to believe in him. I'm going to give him my entire life. I'm going to make a decision today to follow him. Man, I invite you into that. And our church invites you into that. That you will know God. You will have your life and your heart changed by Jesus. Every, every sin you've done is forgiven. And every need you have in your life, in this life and the life to come, he begins to provide it for you, to supply it for you. He begins to show you what it is to follow him. And Jesus described the life he gives as overflowing. That from the inside of our life, there's overflowing of joy, there's overflowing of peace, there's overflowing of love as we know him and as we follow him and as we are with him. God is inviting you. Yes, even you. God paid everything through Jesus. So no matter how bad your past is, if you ask him to forgive you and you believe him to be God's son and to be your God, you are forgiven. And then God will supply everything you need to live a life that honors him. If you'll close your eyes, I want to take a moment and pray for you. Actually, if everybody will just please stand to your feet. Everybody, every location, you just stand to your feet. None of us are, are the master. We're not throwing a party. We all are just beneficiaries of the party. Every single one of us, every single person listening, you're the, the inviter. There's an assignment and a role on your life where you're the invited. You may have had all these excuses about why you can't participate, but let's put aside those excuses now. It's open our hearts to letting Jesus do something in our life. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song that we sung uh, in, it, earlier in the service, The World Needs Jesus. Because as an inviter, we need to remember, though our circle of friends and our family, may everything's great, there's a world that needs Jesus. There are people in the country lanes and people in the hedges who need Jesus. And then if you are someone being invited today, it's just a simple, yeah, 
I want that. Yeah, I want that. If you close your eyes, I want to pray. I want to lead you into prayer, and then we're going to sing together. Jesus, I pray for every person in here who already knows you, and I pray, Lord, they'd accept your call on their life. God, that they, would, they, they wouldn't have um, excuses to walk away from you or to, uh, or, or, or to quit the assignment you've given them, but that with urgency we'd realize the world needs Jesus. The world needs you, Lord God. And we would begin to uh, invite people and tell people, and we'd see people. We'd see our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, and we'd see complete strangers have their lives change when they show up to that banquet, have their lives change when they give their life to Jesus. For every person here who's being invited to give their life to Jesus, I'm going I'm to lead them in a prayer right now, and I pray, Jesus, forgive them and change them now in Jesus' name. Every person, we pray a prayer. It's very simple. And uh, you can put this into your own words where you're expressing to God what's kind of going on in your heart tonight. And you, can, you can pray something like this. Jesus, I give you my life right now. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave and that you've defeated sin, you've defeated death, you've defeated the grave. And I give you my life right now. I trust you with my life right now. And I'm making a decision today to follow you and to live for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Lord God, in every church, in every location, in every person, move and have your way. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.